What's poppin', everybody? It's your favorite host, Amon Reddy and Rohit Kandi from the Set of the Dust podcast. This is an original podcast developed by two young adults to teach and discuss and debate about world events and topics. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into today's uh, topic for this episode, we want to introduce ourselves because last time or last episode, we didn't really get to introduce ourselves. So um, I'll start. Um, my name is Rohit Kandi. I'm from Texas. I enjoy playing basketball, swimming, soccer, and I love learning about science, specifically evolution. So if you know a thing or two or would like to discuss something, feel free to text or email me. I'm always open for a discussion. Hello, um, I'm Amon Reddy, and I'm also in Texas. My hobbies are mainly just swimming, I guess. And um, let's see, my, my interests reside mainly in medicine and biology, but I also enjoy discussing about social and political topics and events that are concurrent with what's going on. And I'm really interested in the world around us. Welcome to the Tug of War segment, where me and Rohit will be discussing the coronavirus in the terms of the economic recession that was caused by it. And this was really an important part of uh, the coronavirus society right now, as many businesses are closing, unemployment is at peak, and also a lot of people are questioning their futures after this virus hopefully ends. All right, guys. Um, so, I'm on. Let's start off. So, what do you think would be, or what solutions do you have in mind for the economy? Because it's been pretty, it's been hit pretty hard by COVID nineteen. So, what do you think is the best solution, and how would you, what what is your plan? How you how would you attack it? And um, yeah, what what is your plan? Okay. You um, so, if you think about the economy. Uh, like crumbling due to COVID-19. One of the biggest things that comes to mind is due to the closure or like a limited success of non-essential businesses, unemployment has risen by tremendous amounts. And you can see this throughout uh, a lot of uh, like the news and stuff that's been going on is all focused around how unemployment can be lowered throughout this because as we go through this virus we have to think about the future and how we're going to recover and uh there's there's multiple solutions that people are coming up with uh the first one that i thought of was since these non-essential businesses are losing a lot of uh employees and people are the unemployment uh, rate is increasing uh one one solution that comes to mind is relocation to where uh, many occupations that require minimal knowledge or minimal experience, such as uh, stuff like agriculture, uh, working as an assistant for medical staff, or j- just in general, working as an assistant for more, uh, more essential uh, jobs could, could, could bring back a lot of uh, people into the workforce. And also, at the, in the same time, develop those different essential businesses. Yeah, so 
Um, what I'm on saying, yeah, the number of people that have actually filed for unemployment as of August 1st is 15.5 million, according to the U.S. Department of Labor, which is an immense number, but it is not at its peak. Its peak was at around, you know, April, May, where the virus is really starting to uh, have an effect on everybody. Um so with this unemployment, uh, obviously, many people are struggling right now. Many people are in shambles. Um, so they obviously, either they, they can, you know, find a new job where they don't really have to have, you know, a, a high amount of experience or they file for an unemployment claim, which we have seen it's not 100% reliable. Not everybody gets um, their money. So... With with this, with the, there are some small problems that come with you know just relocating to find a job. It's not as easy as you know just saying it because obviously, you know there are the risk. There there is a risk of still you know spreading the virus. You know re- relocating to a place where there's minimal experience. You probably are surrounded by people that do not, that have minimal experience and are not as educated on certain matters. Are not educated on, you know. Uh, why it's important to wear a mask and all these things. So all of these guidelines really need to be set forth. And um, it's not as easy as um, just saying yeah. it. So one of um, other, other than yeah, that, I mean, one of the, huh, yeah, one of the problems that would come to mind when uh, looking at the relocation plan would be the, the will for employers to gain inexperienced and uh, commonly unknowledgeable employees into their business. And also what happens mm-hmm. after the virus, whenever mm-hmm. non-essential businesses come back suddenly, what, where, how do those employees convert back? Is, is that would there, would, would, how, how would the, mm-hmm. how, the policy be managed then? Whenever we have a bunch of people flooding the workforce in essential businesses, and once you remove those people, what are the consequences? You have to look at it in both directions. Yeah, I, yeah, that's definitely a valid point. Um, I mean, it's it's not just essential businesses that are getting affected. It, or yeah, no, essential businesses are getting affected positively. That's what I meant to say. Um, but all these small businesses are declining at a rapid pace. But Aman, you have seen personally that some business, some of these small businesses are actually peaking during the middle of a pandemic. Can you explain that with your really with your interaction with like yeah. the hotel? So and you know, um, uh, yeah. I visited uh, somewhere in Oklahoma a few months ago, and actually there there's a lot of there's a lot of small companies like hotel companies and restaurants that are still booming. And I think this is due to the fact, similar to how a lot of large companies are starting to grow again, they've kind of like converted their whole scheme into something that works with the coronavirus. They've implemented tactics to stay safe and open, and we're, manage- we're managing to convince people that it was safe. Well, unlike other, well, unlike other businesses, which were trying to implement this, but weren't marketing out the strategy to where they seemed like a safe place to be during a pandemic. Yeah. So w- with what Aman said, um, obviously that, that I do think that was a rare occurrence. I do not think, especially if you look at the stats, which if I, I pull it up here, um, one sec, 
uh where is it anyways uh you can see that you know hotels are being affected because you know they they cannot there there has to be social distancing guidelines nobody needs to travel especially during this pandemic it's very rare unless it's like an emergency or something like that but um at the end of the day once once this pandemic is over and once we assumingly go back to normal it will not be normal when we go back there will be permanent changes i'm telling you right now i'm telling you right now and quote this there will be people wearing masks when you know we're going when they're going to a basketball game next year there will be people wearing masks when they go in the dark okay the reason for this is they're seeing how how covid-19 can spread so fastly it, and you know it's just as simply just going to the gas station and you know pumping gas in your car the next day you have the virus the gas stations are one of the biggest hotspots for this virus so it would make sense what about if there's some guy with another disease and then it gets spread um on the gas pump somebody gets it it's so easy for a virus to spread and i think it really just allows us to gain an understanding of this is not a joke you need to wear your mask wear your gloves and i think for a long time people will be wearing masks wearing gloves wherever they go it doesn't matter you've seen with this SARS pandemic in china people are wearing masks japan's wearing masks whenever you go there the majority of people are wearing masks that's because they have already seen this they're expecting this that's why the virus didn't have such a big impact there um and another thing is now nowadays everybody's having to work from home obviously because of this and um most people are i saw this uh, voting thing most people are actually voting to opt out of um working in you know these big scales building skyscrapers and all of that is because we all we have this technology now where we don't need to you know drive uh, 30 minutes or an hour to this big building and work with other people we can easily do it through zoom and other um and other video services so that's another big thing um another way where we're going to have to adapt to our constant changes that we we're going to go through actually i um, i believe on the other hand um, and another thing yeah these yeah, these ways of technology they 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 aren't brand new they've been here for for years now and they've been implemented into into working from home and stuff i do believe that during this virus the only way that anything is going to grow is if there's a large large scale transition in the way we think about the virus to where we try to cope with it and move on as if it's not there by making these uh like different things that are happening like wearing masks six foot distance but making them not seem like a special thing making them seem like it's just a part of everyday life it's something you don't have to think about and also it, with this comes another another possible solution to fixing unemployment and to also bringing back non-essential businesses to where this solution uh, implements the work that not services, but non-essential businesses and companies that sell goods and manufacture them. Uh, One solution is to transition what they make into something that can help with COVID. So for example, there's, there's a there's a need for a mass among the medical community, and um, if you think about it, the highest risk for uh, 
for anyone contracting the virus are with medical workers who are going into direct face-to-face contact. And a lot of them don't even have the right equipment. And I believe that specific masks that are made for COVID should be available directly to medical staff, like the KN95 mask. And And if you're someone in public to the rest of the people, there should be much simpler masks, which might not be as good as protective, but that's because they aren't as prone to receiving this virus. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So on the, yeah, that was a great point about, you know, how medical, about medical workers and all that. But if you're talking about leisure, which is a big part of the economy and a big part of uh, who we are as Americans, we, we get the opportunity to have leisure, have time where we can do what we want. But at the end of the day, the economy like concerning leisure will never be the same. It will never be the same. So I, I, if you've seen box office sales have been at its lowest, according to um, Box Office Mojo, which is part of IM, IMDb, the the box office sales have been down at around 1.2 million as of August 13, which is a huge, or one, yeah, 1.2 million as of, yeah, I don't know why I'm repeating myself, but yeah. Um, it's been down significantly, whereas in January of 2020, it was at around 200 million and it was at it was peaking. So that's one of the biggest things there will really we are, we have all these streaming services. We have Netflix, we have um, Amazon Prime, Hulu, all that stuff. We don't need these movies. We can easily see it there. And I feel like the box office will have a very negative um economic recovery it will never recover you know many many um movie theater workers will get laid off and it will further lead to unemployment rates maybe rising i, I agree possibly. i agree actually and, i um, want to add on to that and i do mm-hmm. believe that there yeah. is a positive for companies with the unemployment because what as you see most of the companies that are succeeding right now are doing it digitally for example universal they're actually making a lot of money as they are planning on releasing movies the day they come out, not in movie theaters, but also online uh, where you just pay to watch it once. And they're actually making a lot of money for this while also not having any employees to pay. So I believe that as more and more companies transition to offering online service and exclusively online service throughout time, unemployment will only keep increasing as as jobs in uh like technology based fields will become more more common and more demanded while retail and other manufacturing uh manufacturing employees will will struggle with unemployment mhm yeah so one of the other big um parts of the economy that has been hit is the airline industry especially you know Americans don't have to commute to work anymore. They, I know um, a few family friends and they have to travel every now and then to other countries to do um, work, work-related work things. And even then we travel, We everybody travels occasionally for vacations and other purposes. But um, nowadays nobody's traveling. Although I do see a, a lot of airplanes when I look up at the sky sometimes when I'm bored. But um the graphs do um, do contrast with what I'm saying because, according to the Transportation Security Administration, as of August 18th, um, 
it, the number of the number of travelers uh, going through security to the airport has decreased significantly as of August 18th. Yeah, I don't know. Why. Did I say? It? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. So um, we know the airline industry has been hit a, a very hard, but I do think that once this pandemic is over, I think the airline industry should be fine. I think the in. I mean, especially after such a pandemic like this, um, everybody's going to be wanting to travel. Everything, I, I don't think it'll be hit as hard as, let's say, the box office uh, sales. So yeah, I, I, I actually, I actually that. want to add on, on to this. So uh, according to CNBC, um, it's, say, it's stating that there's, there's, there's a flood of job losses that are looming due to the airline industry, which is really struggling during the pandemic for the sole reason that... They are operating well, but they're operating with a, a maximum limit of passengers, which is very disproportionate to what they had before. And they're not making enough money off of this. And if they decide to increase the price per ticket, no one's going to travel anymore. And adding on to that, uh, since airlines are trying to make it seem like a good option to to take flight, they're actually setting global standards for health and safety amid COVID-19, according to Travel Pulse, sorry, Travel Pulse, Travel Pulse. And uh, uh, I believe that <laughs> they are, uh, after this pandemic starts to lower down, I believe that we'll see a boom in the airline industry as it will be seen as perfectly safe because of all the things that they're implementing. Mm-hmm. And also they'll be able to come back to regular amounts of travelers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, with the final topic about ec- economic recovery, I really just want to talk about um, uh, one of the most important things, I think, you know, driving, driving. What do all cars require? That is gas and all vehicles. And the gas prices have been lower than ever. And with a few people driving, um, gas prices have significantly dropped to $1.77 a gallon, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. And because of this, and you know about this long going, um, this price war between Russia and Saudi Arabia about, um, you know, getting oil for all these countries to um, manufacture gas for all these cars. And it's also had a detrimental effect on um, these countries. And I, I don't know if you've heard about that. I've only researched a little bit into this, but um, I know these countries will send out ships of, full of oil and they'll, they'll leave them on the ocean. And then just keep them um, in stock and r- keep them rising. So keep the number of ships rising as a way to kind of to kind of increase the price of gas. I don't know if it increased or lower, but in some in some way it either like detrimentally affects it and kind of creates a political battle between the U.S. and uh, these other countries. Yeah, um, I actually, I actually I don't know much about that it, but in the terms of do. different companies, because according to the uh, the New York Times. Uh, it, it states in one of its headers that the pandemic will permanently change the automotive industry in in the way that plunging sales could force factories to close and lead to takeovers and merges, but also extremely increase the sales of electric cars. And you see this everywhere. You see companies like Tesla not even being shaken up by this, uh, by, by the impact of COVID as they're, they're, they're electric cars. They, they don't rely on gas. While there's every almost every company in gas vehicles is lowering tremendously during the coronavirus. 
and um, adding on to that, from what you said earlier about um, about companies that rely on oil production and with the lower gas prices, not everyone's driving, barely anyone's driving, actually. And uh, I think with the rise of electric cars, there could be big problems for those companies and oil in general. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I we I think that sums up what we were going to talk about today for this uh, segment. Um, if you if you guys do want to talk to us about this, this this is one of the most important things, especially concerning unemployment. This was that was one of the main goals for this, and how it will affect the economic recovery. Um, Amani, yeah, anything else? Uh, to add? Uh, yeah, thank you for joining us for our first official tug of war segment. Whereas you saw, we went back and forth talking about points and driving the discussion forward. And um, yeah, we will continue to improve this segment in that terms. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us in the switching side segment, where we will take turns providing counter arguments to our own claims to learn the perspective of the opposing side. So in this specific segment, we will be discussing the problems with school closures and why or why not it's a positive or negative thing for students living in this society. Mm -hmm. So if we start off with, um, it's, it is the, the beginning of the school year. Most students are going back to school. And um, it, the parents are faced with the tough decision of whether or not they should send their children to school or, you know, have them online. Obviously, some parents, you know, they are forced to send their children to school because they have other they have their jobs or they have to um, they have to work outside of the house. And, you know, they have to send their children to school. They can't have them at home by them by themselves. So that that is one of the. That is yeah, of the yeah. We problems. see it all over um, the news right now. But to where, yeah. Uh... yeah. So, but what we're going to be talking about today is pretty much the opposing side. So, me and Mon both believe that children should be staying at home and learning virtually online. But uh, we are going to be looking from the perspective of a school administrator, somebody from uh, you know a higher position in the school board, education board. Um, and we're going to be, you know, breaking down each point that we make and each point that um, why, why, why these why these people do believe that opening schools should be important. Um, what are their counter arguments? Um, why we think why we think this is good? Why we think this is not good? Um, and yeah. So uh, would you like to start? Or sure, I, I can start. Mind? All right. So currently me and Rohit are both attending a school that is sending about half of its students to the school while the other half remain on remote online courses. And um, th there's a lot of, there's a lot of people in between to where people that are mainly going uh, really don't want to, they, they want to stay safe and stay home. But then there's people that want to expand and learn a lot more. And they believe that going into a learning environment instead of staying at home could really teach them a lot during this time. And actually, if you look around the news, you'll see a lot to where, there are some colleges and high schools and just middle schools even that are opening up and there's a lot of protesting going on to keep them closed and not have it so that it was mandatory for people to come to school. 
So first of all, do you believe that it should be a personal choice to send your kid to school uh, from the kid, from the parent, or should it be mandatory to stay at home or to to go and why? Yeah. You're asking me, right? Yeah. So for pertaining to safety, which is obviously the number one priority, it's it's pretty obvious that students should be learning virtually. But if I were from the point of somebody on like a school board or education board, the number one problem with with my education when I was learning online in the past semester was I was not retaining enough information as I would have if I was in person school like uh, before this pandemic that is the only problem that i really see with this and but i know some kids who are struggling with the the anxiety of you know having being forced to go back to in-person schooling um and it's not their choice and um, i even know some kids as quoted by one kid i do not want to go to school and get covid um and we've seen um that you know in georgia and all these other states that on the first day of school itself, there are around like 20 or 30 children that have already um, got the virus. So you see how quickly this virus can spread. But um, from a learning standpoint, uh, I know that I, I would learn much more in a classroom than sitting at home learning on a computer. So I, I do understand that point, but the children's safety should be the number one point. If you look at the statistics, children are children and teenagers are are the people who are the people the highest in the COVID nineteen cases. The high the highest people in the COVID nineteen cases, and that is not good because obviously, although we may not, most people may not experience symptoms, we can easily pass it on to our older relative, older parent, something like that. So. That is one of the things that is mainly important. I actually, um, I actually believe on the opposing side, even as a student's perspective, I believe that a personal choice mandates whether a child should be able to go to school or not. And actually, I believe in a specific solution to this, to where uh, any level of education, uh, which is high school or lower, should be stayed online because the people who have the resources to handle uh, a large amount of students coming back on campus, they are they reside only in universities and colleges, which have the resources to even house the children. And I think that, if especially if you're going to like a research university, it's harder to retain information. Not only that, but it's also more it's it's, a, it's much more of an experience when you go and learn something in person than to just sit at your computer all day and just l- look at stuff online. And also, I believe some of the, some of the reason uh, for a lot, of, uh, a lot of children to decide that they don't want to go is not because of safety. It's because of just they don't want to go to school because they don't like school. So I should believe that should be taken into account yeah, I mean, as well. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's a great point because, you know, obviously child they're they they can say those things they were like oh i don't want to go to school i don't want to do this i don't want to do that but you know um their education is one of the most important things but um i know i've read that you know the cdc is actually you know in favor of opening schools they're in favor of in-person 
schools. I know, I know most schools, if I were from the perspective of the, like a board, I know most schools are willing to spend money on safety guidelines and did spend safety guidelines, did send mo- spend money on like safety guidelines such as masks, you know, getting plexiglass between each desk or something like that where students can stay safe. But now, um, majority of people are going back to online classes and so that 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 um really because that the the school really needs to just utilize their money wisely at the end of the day when if let's say 50 percent of people go to in person they need to have all their equipment there and everything so i'm sure that can be um that can be ensured that can um that can be there but they the only problem is these children are children they don't they're not educated on every matter they are not educated about coronavirus they may not be some kids may some kids may not be so you have to take that into consideration because um it's easy hey let's go play you know you can easily touch something it's easy for it to transmit kinder a kindergartner going back to school in person in the middle of a pandemic that does not make that does not make logical sense to me. It is so easy to spread the virus, and in school, who knows what happened? There, there, there are eight hours, and in one second, somebody can spread the virus to somebody else. It can spread like that. So, the school board really—if I were from the school board—I um, would definitely take this into consideration. Um, but, and the school board education is the top priority. So. They would advise for in person. They would advise for all students to be in attendance. Um, you know, they would they would spend their money on you know ensuring that there's social distancing, hand hygiene, face masks, and all those other measures. But there, there's the evidence that proves them wrong. And I know I don't want I don't we don't like getting political on this podcast. But Donald Trump, especially, he is um in favor of um he's in favor of these um of children going back to school stating that education is number one priority but he is the um leader of our nation and i think it's our safety is the number one priority not our education i mean virtually although there may be a lack of learning i think still we children can still be able to learn i mean they, they'll it is the more difficult um to learn as a student it is i find do find it more difficult um to discipline myself to learn online but I mean, it is possible to learn. You just, you, we're not used to learning online, going home and learning. Most people aren't. So, you know, we just have to adjust to it and adapt to it. And I, I'm sure things will, things will slowly readjust it to its normal I state. I actually um, believe but... that, especially for older age scholars, ones who are present in colleges and universities, I believe that it's necessary uh for them to be in-person learning because you just don't get the same experience and you don't get the same amount of knowledge and it's uncomparable how much you learn in person with the professor than compared to doing online workshops for example if 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 you're if you're in med school there's no way you can get the same amount of information from an online course than doing hands-on experiments yeah I completely agree with you, and especially with your example of medical school, it's required that you do you participate in labs and experiments and hands-on hands-on um, assignments. But you have to think about it. The colleges, 
that is one of the high risk, uh, high risk uh, places because especially most, I've you've seen the news, right? You've seen the news where people are doing these coronavirus parties, college parties, where they're trying to spread the virus to one another. That's stupid. That's dumb. I don't know why these people are doing it. It's almost as if like a second grader knows how to social distance, but these college students do, don't know or something. They they are educated on the matter, but they choose not to. Yeah, I, I believe that, stupid, that's so. a, that's a, that's a problem I, I with ignorance. <laughs> That's why I believe the decision should be made by the parent and by the school. And there should be requirements to me to be able to attend. That There should be a level of responsibility and there should be a process of Definitely. only selecting a certain group of kids who want to have higher education, who want to continue and not be slowed down by this coronavirus. I think, I think a good solution yeah, I mean, was to create a standard system of eliminating candidates or choosing selective candidates to come and participate at, at the college. I also believe another option. Yeah, the only problem with that is it's, it's the only problem with that. It's, it's just not practical. You know what I mean? Because, you know, there could be, it's, there's so many ways where college students can, you know, revert that, you know, they can come back with, you know they can quit college and they could quit college they could protest they could do so many things like that and unfortunately that doesn't look good on college's name so i don't think that would be the best solution but i i, I do think that the level of responsibility is a good one but uh, then again it's not practical in a real life situation where there are so many factors that contribute to it so there's no there's no clear definite perfect solution there's there's nothing like that but what we can do is try to instill a sense of responsibility within these students, especially they are college students. You have to remember that. And um, they should be educated. Um, they should be educated. And yet somehow a second grader knows to social distance when a, col- when a college student is when a college party is trying to purposefully spread the virus. And um, what I think, what I think the colleges should do um, like fifty uh, percent, we all schools around the nation, around the world, have spent around two months trying to figure out what they should do, or even more, four or five months trying to figure out what they should do for this upcoming year. But ultimately, opening at fifty percent capacity, it 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 will work. But you know, there's no definite. It's not a definite solution. It's not a. It almost seems like a temporary solution. To it almost seems like a temporary solution that will really. really receive that will receive no um, permanent yeah solution. I, I was thinking of a, an, another solution like... earlier um, after I mentioned my first one I was gonna talk about how the another option that a lot of schools are going forth with is a commuting option and that's what I'm actually partaking in right now but it's an option where you do in-person labs but you just go for about one or two hours and then you go back home and do the rest of your regular online learning. So that, 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 that's the solution that, that, that has the best of both worlds. You maintain a lot of safety, but you also take a little bit of risk whenever you go and learn these uh, new experiences uh, through, through learning, through education. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially, I don't know if it would be the bet best for the you know younger students but definitely for older students who do need to get those credit credit hours for you know labs or experiments definitely where you can also 
you can still get your education but re- retain that safety so that is one of the be- one of the better solutions in uh, my opinion but um at the end of the day if i was the school board and if i was trying to really just figure out a way for students to um learn i personally would be 100% virtual because and yeah i know it's a, it's a big statement but at the end of the day a student's safety is more important it's more important because a student can still get their education whenever it doesn't matter but it it matters about that student's safety and the safety of their family members um education can still be received through technology technology is um it's it's um it's advanced throughout the years it's it's we have zoom we have so many things now where we can easily we can we can do so many things online we can teach classes online but uh, the only problem is obviously you know you can't obviously see over each student you can't see a student that that's where that's where a student really has to maintain their responsibility that's where they have to like step up step up to the plate and be like no i want to learn i'm not going to do anything stupid during this online class i'm not going to you know switch a tab and you know do this game or something you know you got to stay committed cuz whenever you're you're in this you, we are so many people forget to realize how how gifted they are to be to have the chance to be educated you know so many people around the world are begging for this opportunity so i just want to remind you guys out there that education should not be taken for granted take advantage of it and even though it's this is online and everything is crazy right now that doesn't that's not an excuse it's not an excuse at all you should be taking advantage of this opportunity and trying to do new things with and try to do new things with this environment what's going on try to figure out new solutions because at the, virtual virtual is still has so many possibilities virtual learning still has so many possibilities um even yeah actually so, yeah um, um amani when at although although virtual it it, it is it, it's not it's not bad but i still believe that a a child that is old enough so basically an adult when they're in college or university i believe they should still be able to attend university courses how they were meant to be because although there's the majority of the the world is doing online courses there are still many many kids who are going and doing all these different experiences and learning and getting ahead of their whole class they're doing so much while everyone else is just following a schedule at home they're not doing their own learning they're just watching zoom videos and doing a few online assignments and not not really participating as much as you, as they would be if they were allowed to be on campus so i i still in the end of the day i do believe that every single person is different everyone should look at what they believe in first do they believe that they're 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 willing to take the risk to go to to school or university or are they willing to inhibit their education by uh doing online courses instead of in person courses so i i believe there's there is there is side seat story there is arguments for both i just believe it's which priority do you specifically have yeah so and to sum up this segment really um we 
looking back at you know what the school board what multiple school boards have decided for their school districts we or we have at the end of the day have we understand some of the points we understand them but as as then just as Aman said it's really ultimately up to the student it's up to the students and the parents responsibility to take to take action and decide what's the best yeah, thing actually for them. i want to add on one more um, quick thing this um it, it, this this okay. is to do with not not necessarily schools opening but steps that college board is refusing to allow students to take the sat and possibly the pre, even the psat as they are considering safety over education but also if you look at this this prime example a lot of kids are facing really big problems for doing things like applying to even universities because they're they, they can't retake their sat there's there's so many people i know that are that really struggle during this become recognized and to do what they were trying to do because the sat got canceled or their ap test was taken at home and it inhibited their success so there are both sides sorry yeah i mean there yeah yeah yeah, that that is a big point. That is a big point. But I mean, there's still so many. There's still so many other opportunities. If the SAT has been canceled, for just because the SAT is canceled doesn't mean it's just for one person. It's canceled for everybody. So there's still an equal opportunity. And you know, just because the SAT is canceled, PSAT canceled doesn't mean that you know. Oh, I'm I'm gonna go to bad college, or I'm not gonna go to college at all. No, there are still opportunities for you. So take advantage of them during this. Uh, virtual learning time so because though the environment may seem crazy it really isn't you can still take advantage of it um and it's up to you it is up to you at the end yeah for finishing off this segment that is um thank you for joining us for our first official switching sides um in this segment the specific segment we weren't able to reach a perfect agreement but we have learned the perspective of both sides and we understand uh, why many parents and kids are pushing for, uh, instead of schools staying closed, but for schools to open and offer classes. And we believe there, there are two sides to every story, and it's based on what you believe in. All right, the next segment we're going to be discussing is Impromptu Argue, which is purely based off of improv and building your argument so the topic we're going to be discussing in this episode or in this segment actually is COVID-19 origins and precautions and this basically is summed up as what countries could be could have done to prevent this virus from spreading and where it could have originated from so yeah all right ladies and gentlemen so we are in officially the impromptu argue segment so me and Amon today will be talking about COVID-19 origins and precautions. So Amon, Amon, I, where do you think COVID-19 came from? If, if you were just, if you, have you done any research about it? Well, um, this is not because of news, but from what I've seen, I believe it originated in, um, in other mammals from uh, markets in Wuhan, China. And I believe See, that no, it no, no, transmitted you... through there. You know what I heard? You know what? You know how there's that uh, laboratory in Wuhan? I they they say it didn't come from there, but 
I have high sus- I'm very sus- skeptical of that. I'm very skeptical of that because uh, I don't understand how it couldn't have come from that. It came from Wuhan. So there is a laboratory in China where they were dealing with the coronavirus. So I don't know. What's your take on that? I believe if a laboratory purposely released it, it would be- <laughs> laboratory. <laughs> laboratory. All right. All right. I believe if a laboratory purposely, knowingly released it, I believe they wouldn't be so incompetent to know that millions of people worldwide would die, including people in their own country. So okay, that's, that's so where my let, my let me just is. say this. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. So you have seen okay. So we the laboratory. You're saying that they did not release. They did not intentionally release. Yeah, it. I, so I believe that. Is, that yeah. we, there isn't that. Yeah, you you may be right. There is no evidence that it actually has been released. But so here's the thing. Here's the thing. So if COVID why why would you, the thing is covid-19 has been released into the united states unemployment is at its peak right now everything is in shambles no nobody's going outside nobody's doing anything in pretty much uh, in, across the world so my theory is i read this on instagram somewhere so it's not it's not as um it's not as credible and it may make my argument less credible but i read this theory where China was intentionally trying to bring this coronavirus into the United States and other countries so that their economy would go down and listen, still listen to me still listen to me and you see you see how um you see how we are just like we're in shambles we're not able to do anything our economy is down Every, everybody's economy is down so i mean th- that that's one of the biggest things i feel um, I, I, I'm really bad at building arguments, but, um, yeah, I, I on, understand. Uh, I actually, let's also dive deeper into this. Cause I actually have some, I have some ideas on, for both sides of this argument. Cause if you look at China for, uh, for like basically since it became a world powerhouse, it's been striving to get more power. And before the coronavirus, it was mainly through land disputes. Like we saw the Asai Chin in the Kashmir region of India where it took over. We also saw the, mm-hmm. the South China Sea where it took over a lot of islands from other countries. So I believe that China is trying to get power right now. But I also am kind of against this idea of them purposely starting this coronavirus. Because not only did they stop the economy of basically the whole world, that includes China. And also they were put on the spot showing their incompetence. And basically the world was ridiculing them for not providing safety, especially where it began in the Wuhan district. So what do you have to I say mean, about that? Yeah, that, those are great points. Those are great points. But, but the, so China manufactures most of the masks and all those Lysol cleaning wipes that we get in order to disinfect our groceries or Amazon packages or whatever, right? So what if I don't know China could try to could be trying to you know take advantage of these other countries and you know possibly trying to seek um trying to seek advantages within this so that that's one of the biggest things because we we get our masks and pretty much everything from China everything is manufactured in China so that's one of the biggest things you have to consider um, I, I understand so, that yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, your but 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 a good side about it, a good side about coronavirus. Have you seen like the the amount of electricity being used and the amount of pollution being released in the on the earth has been 
it's significantly decreased. It's significantly decreased. Well, like if you, there there are satellite images where it shows like six months ago, it's like bright, full red, um, according to the legend or whatever. And then six months later, it's like there's so much less, it's, and it's like it's so obvious to see that um, this pandemic is, although it's been mostly negative, it has some positive effects, side effects, and yeah. Well. I, I, I believe that that wouldn't be a reason why China would have released the coronavirus. Although, yeah, 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 although, no, although, I'm not comparing it. Chinese cities, the largest uh, cities like Beijing and Shanghai, they're known to have some of the highest pollution rates on the planet. That is, that is true. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm not necessarily agreeing with uh, what I said, like, you know, they could be purposefully, but, you know, there are some, there are some skeptical things that China has done and um, where it may, it's possible to um, speculate that China could have maybe intentionally released this. I mean, they do have a laboratory in Wuhan, coincidentally, the place where coronavirus was first released. Well, so actually, I think that's... we should, for a few minutes, we should discuss outside of China and to see other origins from where this coronavirus could have came from because there's actually been a lot of studies showing that the glaciers are melting which everybody knows that uh the climate is changing the glaciers are melting global warming yes. oh not global not global warming. warming but yeah climate change and with those glaciers it is proven to be hundreds of unknown and unseen bacterium that could cause huge pandemics so, do you think that maybe coronavirus could could have been present there as well? I seriously doubt that. I mean, glaciers still retain most of their original um, state of matter, which is, you know, there's still a block of ice um, at the end of the day. And even if they do contain, I don't know even where you got that, but if they do have bacteria in it, it's very unlikely it would spread to China because, or even... That it was it's, it's very unlikely to disperse even in the ocean because I mean, glaciers are really in the middle of the ocean or sea. I mean, they wouldn't really disperse that far. So I think that's. Um, but let's talk about you know some of the precautions that other countries could have taken on, you know, this virus spreading. Yeah, uh, if you think about precautions, one of the earliest claims of about problems with the precautions taken was China not reporting this early enough for other countries to completely, I completely avoid. agree i completely agree i don't, i do not know what they're i do not know what what they're trying to do but i it's ultimately very responsible i mean all countries should be taking records of their records of this um disease because ultimately it's a pandemic and it will continue continue to affect us if we don't even um do the right thing so i'll be, it's really basically what I'm trying to say. It's really important to do the small things to lead up to one big solution. That is so, true. Yes. Yeah. But so obviously the U.S. has been saying, thinking about how you know, China was late to yeah. respond, that does question yeah, the origin. Because if it did come from a laboratory or a laboratory, sorry, then China would have known about <laughs> right. it earlier. They would have reported it much earlier. It would have been out to the planet much earlier as a scary disease because if it's in a laboratory it's not meant for to, to be out in the wild yeah definitely um yeah one of the biggest things especially is um the mass mass so 
now obviously it took a while for most and not even all people are still following this mandate but um I'm pretty sure in the United States and um, most countries across the world, it's required that you wear a mask. And unfortunately, there are some people who d decide not to wear a mask. And ultimately, you're just you're just making this process longer where we cannot go outside, where we cannot see our friends and, you know, relatives and all of that. And uh, it's a very important to wear your mask because at the end of the day, th this pandemic, this pandemic, after, after this pandemic is over, we'll still probably have to wear a mask. People will not feel comfortable going in large gatherings anymore. People will still wear masks in the future. The SARS, the SARS epidemic in China, people are still wearing masks to this day. You know why? You know why the COVID nineteen, you know why COVID nineteen didn't have such a big effect like it does in the U.S. and China, because China already was wearing masks. All these Asian countries they experienced the SARS epidemic, or pandemic or whatever. They are they are already they're already used to wearing masks. That's why it didn't have such a big effect. But here in the U.S., we haven't experienced something this big. And it's now more important than ever to wear a mask. I think the problem so, is not mainly with people not deciding to wear masks, but not but the appropriate masks not being available for medical staff and personnel. Because if you think about it, yeah, that's, the medical staff mm -hmm. are the ones trying to save you. If they get the virus, yes. then they can't continue. They, they, they can't meet other patients. They become a patient. So not only do we yeah, lose one. medical workers, mm -hmm. those medical workers become victims and other medical workers have to treat them. And also, mm -hmm. I believe that mm -hmm. uh, with where you're coming from to where everyone has to be wearing a mask. I do agree with that. And if you think about it, mm -hmm. if everybody on the planet wears a mask for, I'd say, probably one or two months, the whole virus could just disappear. Mm -hmm. It spreads mm -hmm. through... Uh, through a person's body and enters in from holes in the body. And mainly, that's the mm -hmm. mouth, the nose, that, that area of the face. So mm -hmm. if you wear a mask, you're basically lowering your chances. And eventually, the, the virus will start dying off over time if everyone wears a mask. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I definitely think for going back to precautions, what countries could have done um, to prevent the spread of this virus, I definitely think especially the U.S., uh, we're, we're both from the U.S., we uh, we thought that, or I thought, yeah, I don't know if Mon thinks the same, but we thought it would be, um, it would be advised that the, the most, most of the states in the country decided to open a little too early, and that ultimately had disastrous effects on the numbers, because you could see it went down, it went down, it did flatten, the curve flattened, but then after a few days of reopening, the, the cases continued to rise, and so, I don't know where this idea came of reopening, but it's important to sacrifice. I mean, because at the end of the day, once you sacrifice and once you give up that time to where you're responsible for your actions and you wear a mask, you don't meet often with your friends, you stay at home, you disinfect all your groceries and packages, that will have good effects. Doing that will be good. Um, yeah, so Aman, you want to add on? <laughs> I believe that... Um... I, I believe that, yeah, I have a question for you, actually. So do you okay, do you agree with the fact that mandating that everyone has to wear a mask without, like, it's, it's illegal to not wear one when you're out in public or anywhere outside your home? Do you think that's an, like a, an attack on a person's freedom or liberty? Or do you think that's, I mean, that's responsible for them yeah. to have to wear a mask? 
I mean, most people would probably take it as an attack on their freedom or liberty. Some people do. But it's more important to realize it's not an attack on your freedom or liberty. It's important for your protection. And um, just you're talking about going outside. Going outside, yeah, that's completely fine. But you have to social distance, obviously. If you see somebody else with, that's within six feet of you, wear your mask. And obviously outside, um, it's, it's, more, it's safer to go outside than to be inside because uh, there's a less likely chance of the virus spreading there. Um, but I do advise, especially if you're attending a large gathering or something of that matter, of something of that sort, um, you should be wearing a mask. Um, you should be socially distancing. Um, and I think especially um, when, this, when the COVID-19 pandemic hit hard, there were a lot of these um, Black Lives Matter protests and um, these people were gathering on the streets together. Not many of them were social distancing. Some were wearing masks, which were good. I understand this cause. I understand why people are grooming together. Ultimately, there's nothing you can really do about that. Um, obviously, advised to social distance, but I mean, they're all cooped up in one area on a street going together. Um, all I can advise is really just wear your mask. Um, wear your mask. Stay safe. You know, don't do something just because everybody's doing it. I mean, you can. There's still many ways to protest. You don't have to go on the streets to protest. You don't have to. There are many petitions that you can sign. I know I have done that. Um, I know Amon's done that. I know many people that have done that, and it's, it's a much effective. It's a much more effective way um, than uh, risking infecting yourself. And you know, um, there's obviously those people have that been tear gassed and all that stuff. So um, yeah. there are safer ways to protest. And um, yeah, Amon. Yeah, actually, I agree. I agree with the fact that there were many rallies and large, huge citywide parties throughout the U.S. Mm -hmm. and the world, actually, uh, months after people knew about the coronavirus. And actually, I believe that it's your own risk because there are people who are on the other side too seriously. They're not, they're not allowing themselves to even leave their room. They're having everything like done for them. They're not, they're not even trying to go outside or anything like that. I believe that there is safety with mask and precaution and sanitizing mm -hmm. and all that. So I, I believe it's it's like a, it's personal risk. You take a risk when you go outside. You take a risk when you don't wear a mask. You take a risk if you are only at home and don't take the vaccine. There's there's so many mm -hmm. risks involved with it. And it's personal choice whether you want to take that risk or if you want to uh, uh, like go, go with the flow and make sure you're 100% safe. Yeah. Um, so now I want to talk about um, India. India has um, has seen a rise in cases recently. Um, it's like I think the third highest country or, you know, second or third highest country in cases right now. Um, and I we believe that's like due to a lack of um, hygiene in India. There is a large population, one of the lowest, world's largest population in India, around one billion people. And the population density is very high there. Very hard to maintain social distancing when there are a lot of um, there's a lot of poverty in India and uh, not many people are updated with the times. Not everybody is um, lucky enough to uh, to get see get to be updated, get masks, you know, social distance. They don't know about these things. So yeah, um, I agree. I agree. I, I agree India, India, seen a lot of rise of cases, but. I mean, I think we can, all we can do for them is, you know, tell them, tell your friends and family um, if they're Indian or tell you. Yeah, tell them. Um, 
I know in the U.S., most people are educated. Most people have the chance to be educated. So there really is no excuse for us to, um, you know, for us to have the highest number of cases, for us to not be wearing masks, choosing not to wear masks. Um, people are dying. And these, these, this, this disease, this disease has multiple effects. Nobody knows. It doesn't just have one effect. Nobody knows what it does. There are mutations in this disease, and it's important to stay safe. I mean, in in India, in India, there's a high population density. There's not much you can do about that. Not everything has been developed. That is a developing country right there. We are a developed country. We should be responsible. We should be a model for other countries. And unfortunately, we're not we're not choosing wisely on that. I mean. Yeah, I'm on I agree, I agree, I agree with that. There's two reasons, not excuses, but two like real life scenarios on why the virus is still booming. There's the first reason, which is people are ignorant and they don't have access to these supplies or they don't even know about mm-hmm. the virus, which is, mm-hmm. which is something they should know, but it's not always their fault. They, they just could not, uh, they might just be ignorant because they don't look at the news every day or maybe they live somewhere where it's there's not a lot of people, so they don't know about all this. And this is this is common in uh, places with large population deaths. You, we saw it in we saw it in Italy where it happened, where people didn't even know about the virus, but it it, it got really big there, and people didn't know about mm-hmm. with mask and all that. But then there's also the opposite side, where it's people purposely choosing not to follow the instructions by health professionals in purposely not wearing a mask when they go to large parties, purposely ca- making large parties possible and uh, doing stuff mm-hmm. like that, endangering not just themselves, but other people. And that that's the type which is very unacceptable and could mm-hmm. it, it could really harm us while trying to fight this virus. Yeah. Um, in Italy, we saw we saw that they were they were one of the they were one of the highest uh, countries with cases of coronavirus. And we saw that early on in March or April or something like that. But later on, we saw that they were going down. And the reason is their people listened. Their people understood what was going on. At first, they didn't. Maybe they didn't. But now they do. They, they, were, they were wearing their masks. They were doing everything. They were following all the precautions and all of that. And look at them now. They used to be number one. But now they're like, I don't know, like number six, number seven. They are going down. Their number of cases are going down. For yeah, them. I, I think it's the they exact are same in a good scenario state. in China, because that's when it, that's where it started. Everyone, everyone knew that China was the leader in the virus. They had the largest amount of cases. But now, when you if you if you look at China, they're sending their kids to school without even worrying about the virus, because they mm-hmm. they just passed it. They they went over it. Their economy is going back up slowly but steadily. They got through it because yeah, I mean, their people listened. And didn't see it as uh, like an attack on their freedom or slave or like uh, not slavery, sorry, attack on their freedom or liberty. Yeah. So to sum this up, um, obviously this has been a great segment, and um, obviously there's still some stuttering and all that. But to sum this up, uh, the origins of COVID nineteen. Um, me and Amon are still undecided. We, as the world, are still undecided if. You know, COVID-19 originally came from China or it did come from one of the Wuhan laboratories. We're not sure. There is no proof. There's no certain definite proof of that. But um, there are definitely um, ways where we can speculate about that um, and why China seems so skeptical. Um, And COVID-19 precautions, we do think that um, if the U.S., which is an educated country, developed country, could have um, 
listen to all the guidelines um, assigned by the CDC and other World Health Organization. Like, yeah, the World Health Organization, yeah, by WHO and everybody. Um, we definitely think that um, the the virus would have been in control in the U.S. and we would have been back to normal or uh, close to back to normal. And uh, um, other other things you want to add, Amon, for the sum up? I think we summed it up pretty well. We don't know the origin, but that doesn't mean we can't stop the virus. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that each country has to do it their own way because it's different with third world countries, first world countries, and even location. So mm-hmm. I believe that people who don't know about the virus should be told by the government Then the government is really irresponsible. Well, on the other hand, if people don't care about the virus or they purposely try to avoid being safe, in this society, then, then they're at their own risk. Yes. Um, we obviously do think that countries um, around the world could have done um, better things. But um, at the end of the day, uh, we do hope that the U.S. still maintains its, um, still tries to, you know, uh, you know, what am I trying to create an end for this virus, you know, help this virus end and let us go back to normal eventually. Um, we do think that everybody should be wearing masks, everybody should be following social distancing guidelines and all of that. Um, and yeah, I think that sums up the, the segment. Mon, yeah. I think it's good. Yeah, thanks for joining all us right. for our first official impromptu argue segment. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, that has been this first podcast episode official season one episode one we talked about COVID-19 today we hope that you enjoyed our discussion and heated debate um if you would like to if you would like to join us on these discussions comment about these um you know even um listen to us you can follow our socials you can request to become a guest speaker and there are many opportunities for you to come discuss with us and share your perspective yeah, please visit oh, sorry visit it's a whiz, visit please visit our our brand new <laughs> website um to you know just look around and see what's coming up in the future we're planning on having live events one day we're planning on having um yeah it, it's pretty cool we're planning on having uh youtube videos we already had our first one right now we're just doing uh just like a podcast on youtube but Soon we will be recording ourselves and putting out uh, some cool content on there. Some extra content on there about smaller stuff, mini episodes. I don't know. Just go check it out. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you are still listening, if you are still listening, you, yes, um, you get a complimentary blooper reel for about one minute, 10 seconds. So... Um, in about, you know, 15 seconds, you'll be able to enjoy a uh, blooper reel where me and Amon mess up on um, on the introduction of this podcast episode. But, yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Hello, everybody. My name is Amon Reddy. And my name is Rohit Kandi. And this is an original podcast that gathers the social perspectives of the next generation on global affairs. And with that being said... Welcome, Welcome to the Settle the, the Dust, Dust podcast. Welcome to the Settle the Dust podcast. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the, to the Settle the Dust. <laughs>
Welcome to the Settled Podcast. Bro, don't laugh. I actually like, I like, I stared at like a picture or something and made me sad. So let's do that. Welcome to the Set of the Dust Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, we give up. Let's just keep it how it was.